Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves and this is a conversation we had yesterday with Dr. Gareth McGovern on the starting uh, starting position of the Citizens' Assembly. Gareth, uh, you may know, is quite outspoken on the need for decriminalisation, drug decriminalisation and a harm reduction model. Uh, he's been on the podcast previously, but we thought it was timely to get him back in. This conversation was part of our Sunday show. Uh, so what I've done is I've chipped it out of it so it goes out on general release. If you want the full show, it's available right now on patreon.com forward slash tortoiseshack, where we break down the news of the week be it the Fine Gael meltdown, uh, the UK having a shit fit over Joe Biden and his Irishness, uh, what's happening in housing and some of the really, really troubling developments in US politics, particularly when it comes to reproductive choices for pregnant people. Uh, all of that is available, as I said, on the Patreon feed now. So if you want to hear that, please join us and get access to all of our back catalogue, every podcast we do in one consolidated feed, entirely plea free. Thanks for the support and enjoy the rest of the podcast. We're delighted to be rejoined on the podcast for the first time in quite a while by uh, Dr. Gareth McGovern. Uh, listeners, long-term listeners would remember Gareth, as I said previously, from uh, his contributions, particularly around harm reduction, decrim, maybe the Lisbon model. And we had a brilliant li- live pod, Gareth, if you remember, with Don from Analyphy that, that evening. That was in- brilliant, yeah, it was really yeah. good. Yeah, as someone asked me recently, what was the what was the... Your, your favorite thing you've done on decrim and we've done a lot over the last six years and that was that that evening was absolutely electric um right, and yeah so so the reason we're getting you back on today is because obviously yesterday was the first day the first meeting of the citizens assembly i don't know if you saw the pictures martin but the carpet they chose was definitely doing trippy stuff anyway it looked like it was off its head um melt from hemp i believe <laughs> it, it certainly it certainly looked like it had a good few nights out but um look gareth be I want to just think back to the citizens' assemblies we've had in the past. And I recall, if you do, when we had the citizens' assembly in the build-up to repeal, there were leaks uh, advance of the publication. And in the leak, they said they were going to look for full access. They were going to recommend full access to reproductive choices for, for, for pregnant people. And I recall as well... Many members of the government at the time said, oh, I don't know if Ireland's ready for that. This is what they, and they, they said, I don't know, even if they, like these, and people started to say, well, hang on, this hasn't been published yet, and you're already saying we're not ready for it. And the analogy I used at the time, Martin, you, you might recall, I said, is that they went out, they bought the car, they chose the driver, they picked the passengers, they even picked what fuel to put in the bloody car, and then when it drove to a destination that they seemed to be unhappy with, they went, ah, I didn't like that car, never liked yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But we got there, Gareth. What are your take? What is your take on so far the the car and the 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 the, the driver, passengers, and direction of travel? Well, obviously, it had a bit of a bumpy start. This car, and um, possibly someone uh, took the air out of the tires a little bit just at the very start, which um, it was just the I suppose the the choosing or the selection of the advisory committee. I, I had. Uh, that that didn't please me too much, um, I, I'm, and don't get me wrong. There's plenty of people on that committee who I know of um, who I have absolutely full faith in. But that wasn't the point. Um, the one thing is, this is a very emotive subject, as was repeal the eighth, and 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 there are other uh, topics that are fairly emotive. Uh, but it really divides people. This topic, and kind of if you if you remember, if you go back to December and last last July when we were given. Um, we were giving evidence to the Joint Justice Committee um, uh, about the same issue. And then in December, we got this report where 
I remember meeting Lynn Rowan in the, just outside the atrium, and she said, did you see the report? There were no leaks on this one, actually, interestingly, Martin. In fact, the le- there were leaks, but there were rumours saying it's all a pile of shit. It's, you know, the usual status quo being maintained. And Lynn met me outside and said, did you see it? And I said, I haven't seen anything. She says, we got everything that we wanted, everything that you would want is in there. And then, of course, I was sitting down. I couldn't even take in what the speaker was saying because I was just looking through these recommendations and it was just hitting the spot every time. So you can imagine coming out of December and now into the Citizens' Assembly, there was almost a part of me that was sort of saying, do we need the Citizens' Assembly? You know, obviously we do, but I was really, really just, you know, enthusiastic. Now, look, we've had a lot of, I suppose you could call them false dawns over the years because, you know, I think the phrase is there's a lot of fur coats but no knickers. I mean, this is, this is, we make a lot of noises about progressive drug policies, but we've got very little over the line. And, and the only thing we probably got over the line is Gino Kenny's, you know, uh, mental cannabis access program, which is very, very limited in the number of conditions it can treat. I just, just about this particular thing is that the meeting that happened on the, I think it was the 28th of um, March. I heard about that from the lads from Cran. It was actually Ryan McHale contacted me and says, what did you think? Did you hear about the meeting today? I knew nothing. I didn't even know there was going to be a meeting. So I, I, you can imagine having been in this drug policy space for as long as I have, I was beginning to get suspicious. And then, of course, that was topped off by Mary Cannon uh, on the uh, on the advisory group. I just smelled a rat, and then he started just, telling just, me. Just on, just on, on Mary Cannon, she has, yeah. um, she has a long track record of being opposed to the decriminalization of drugs, particularly marijuana is is something that she has actively, you know, campaigned against. That's that's fair, yes? Yeah. Um, but I will also say in the Citizens' Assembly, not to, yeah, actually to play devil's advocate because I'm in favor of a decrim model. Um, we have to represent all the citizenry and the, there's definitely a place at the table for people who are still thinking that we need to wage the war on drugs, uh, Gareth. Yeah, I, I listen. Can I can I make this very clear? I suppose I, probably to put it best, if I was asked to go on that committee, I would have said no. If you get the point, I I my, yeah. I'd love an advisory committee actually that were middle of the road. If I'm honest, because um, I'm not really. I, I have a look at the the terms of reference in relation to the advisory committee. You know, they do have responsibilities and stuff like that. And I can't believe for one minute, like I, I can only speak personally if i was invited on that committee and i did say yes i wouldn't but if i did way i mean you know me right rent a gob i'd be yakking all over the spiel and and bringing people into you know into alcoves and and convince i wouldn't be able to be objective it's just not possible how could i do it i i I just could not do it as soon as the topic of this comes up i'm off and I, i would suspect she is very very similar now i i i'd like to know how how she was chosen um and and you know it just seems a peculiar choice of person to pick. It really does. Now, if you look at all the other ones, I've obviously done a bit of tr- stuff through Anna Liffey with Philly McMahon, his story and his brother is, is kind of well known. Uh, but the other, the other than Philly, I, I don't actually, and I know Johanna Ivers, although they're quite quiet in the drug policy space on social media and in the, uh, you know, the kind of wider media. So you could argue that you know they're they're they may have views all right, but they they don't seem to be very strong in public views. But maybe Cannon, I mean, has been lobbying for a long, long time. In fact, they lobbied the minister. They went to see the minister, the Cannabis Risk Alliance. So I thought she was a peculiar choice. Now, having said all that, having talked to Sharon yesterday, and I had no, by the way, very clear on this. That's about the only two problems I had with the Citizens Assembly. I mean, Citizens Assembly today have been very well run, 
Um, but I, 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 I had no problem with the way in which they went to the census and picked 100 or 99 citizens. I, I was quite happy with that. There was no problem with that. I, I mean, I'm not a complete conspiracy theorist, but I just think that uh, I, I think it's very important that if this is about the citizens and this is about the citizens viewing out the public's views, and I just don't want to see it tainted in any way. Okay, but but there is a, the one the key word you use there in that for me is lobbyist. So when you've done something like that, there is actually you you know when you're a lobbyist for a certain thing, does that should you then participate? And that's the question I suppose you're, you've ultimately put it put there. Should should you be in to participate? Sorry, Martin, I know you wanted to come in, but I think that lobbyist yeah. is, is 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 fair because it's an accurate reflection. It is, yeah. I think to a part that's missing. Uh, Gareth, that's not that's not going to be mentioned in the Citizens Assembly. Is that if you want to be serious about eliminating drugs in Ireland, well, then you have to be serious about spending to do so, and that means a tenfold at least increase in spending for the Gardaí and all the services involved, the courts, everybody else involved. But nobody's saying that's the actual realistic flip side to to decrim is if, if you, you can't keep living in this halfway house where it's it's criminalized but you're not really doing anything about it you can't so they, i think that's something that's missing from the citizens assembly is it is either or it is there is no middle ground you either spend a fortune stopping people or you accept the people are going to use that's it full stop yeah, I'd also say there's a, there's a lot of other things missing from the Citizens Assembly. I mean, obviously from the committee, there's there's been a lot of stuff about, you know, policing and, um, you know, from the policing side, there seems to be a little bit kind of uh, light and also the lived experience. And there's a, bit of, there's a bit of difference of opinion about what lived experience means. I'm very clear on lived experience. I mean, I know Dawn, Dawn put, uh, Manaliffy put thing up that lived experience is a lot of people have lived experience. To me, yeah, that's true. But the lived experience, there's no, no bigger lived experience than the person who's gone through it. And obviously by association their families. So the lived experience to me means the person who's kind of most affected by by drug laws. And be very clear about this. Going back to another point, just picking up on something you said there, Martin, is that we that you're quite right. That hasn't, you know, that is not been drawn out in, in this uh, discussion. But also we talk about drug-related harm, but we very rarely talk about drug-related pleasure. It's almost taboo. It's as taboo as drug addiction, uh, drug-related pleasure. And, and bearing in mind that the vast majority of people who use drugs and use alcohol do it fairly responsibly and get benefit out of it. But we're not allowed to talk about that. That's sort of, I mean, if you heard the uh, RTE radio but with Matt Sadler uh, interviewed the other day, he's, he actually said, I mean, I can't believe I was hearing this, it was it was kind of Monty Python-esque, if I'm honest. He said, we're striving for a cannabis-free Ireland. I mean, I, I nearly crashed my car when I heard that. Cannabis-free Ireland. I mean, bearing in mind... I mean, I, I wouldn't be pushing for an alcohol-free Ireland by any stretch of the imagination. And yet, they're not even mentioning alcohol in, in, in the same thing. They, they, you know, the Cannabis Risk Alliance have more or less said that cannabis is more damaging to the mental health than alcohol. That's just patently untrue. It is. It, it is. And I said it. No, they, no uh, hang on. They, they, do, they publish a lot of papers on this. And they, just, uh, just they do publish. Yeah, go ahead. There for a sec, Tony, because I said it when it started, that the Citizens' Assembly is going to be full of people who will not take into consideration that they use intoxicants on a on a daily, weekly basis, and that they don't see themselves as addicts or problematic. You know, people drink for pleasure, and, sure. I, and now you can have a joint for pleasure. Oh, sure. 
But you know, it, this is the big thing that's missing in but, the picture. But no, hang and, on, Martin. Martin, we we've often said oh, not all use, not all use is abuse. Is one of the t- taglines we've used a hundred times on this podcast, and we're all in agreement there. I will say on the on the papers that they publish in terms of the mental health, I think Sharon, our mutual friend, Dr. Sharon Lambert Garrett, uh, points out that you know that uh, a lot of these mental health issues are related to other issues that that weren't that pre pre existed before dependencies on your narcotic or your your drug of choice uh, that's fair to say isn't it it's and, absolutely and, true and, and you know the 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 fact that the drug is now present doesn't is not causation it's simply um this is the you know i think dean scurry uses the uses the phrase martin um what's your what's your crutch what's your what's yeah. your what's your what's your what's the way you, you, you limp on but back to the citizens assembly because the the idea then of that the lived experience is not represented. Who's missing, Gareth? I think the lived experience is a, is is a few things. I mean, in the lived experience. Now, having said that, I'm sort of contradicting myself because, in a way, I've just said previously that I think the advisory committee should be a fairly bland group of people who just come in and help. And um, and then on the other hand, I'm trying to say who should be in there and who shouldn't be in there. I, I so, but. It, so it doesn't matter whether they're on that advisory committee. I just think the lobbying part or the are the are the biases but, problem but, I have. But but there's not but there's nobody that that I can say can see that I've read who has who was a user. There are people who are family members of of people who used and 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 suffered terribly. Let's tell let's be truth. You know they've lost family members, but there's not so much. You know the um. The, someone who said, "Oh, I'm in, I'm in recovery, or I'm, or I was, a, or I'm a user." You know, it's it. There does seem to be that lacking. Yeah, well, there's also two types of user. There's the user that I end up seeing, mm. and the vast majority of the users out there who will never see me or anybody else like me. They're just enjoying it like someone enjoys a drink. Their view is is most important in this. Most important. Because they they suffer the same problems with with the illegality of these drugs as the person who has the problem. Everybody always has sympathy for the person with the problem, and I understand you know where they're coming from. But I've got sympathy for everybody who falls foul of the law. I don't just pigeonhole it to people who have addictions, and I don't. Th- I think that's missing in there without a shadow of a doubt. Is that people enjoy drugs? Well, why are you not allowed to say that? I, absolutely, uh, same as people enjoy a drink. I mean, we're allowed to say it's it's very sick, and it's the exact same. It's an intoxicant. It's to make you feel different. That's right. exactly what it is. It is. It's to take you away from something. I always look at any sort of drug, depend doesn't matter what it is, as taking you away from maybe a less pleasant place, psychologically or emotionally, to. Yeah, and your perception is a more pleasant place. But it's just basically escapism. Like someone goes to the cinema, like someone goes for a walk in Glendalough, whatever it is, whatever is your bit. Some people like to just chill out having a joint. And yet we're not we're, we're not catering for that now, within it's this. It's not just grass we're talking about. Grass there. No, no, we're talking any drug. Yeah, hash is hash. And and let's face it, that more people in this country use hash than don't use hash. That's a really significant figure. That's a huge amount, yeah. Remember that. Yeah, um, but there right. are other drugs, and when we get into drugs like heroin and we get into cocaine, that's where people, uh, I think, bar a few people, nobody really sees hash as a problem anymore. We see it as fairly normal every day. Okay, it's criminalized, but it's silly that it is. 
when we move to the stuff like heroin and cocaine, we're into a different vista than Garrett. But it's worth remembering that when John Lonergan was the the governor of, of Mount Joy, he said that the people who were ending up in Mount Joy are ending up there for drug use and they're coming predominantly from three areas and poverty is the driver. Poverty was the driver. So Absolutely. how do we tackle that problem? Well, it's also poverty, but it's discrimination against poverty. I mean, there's no doubt about it that if you, you know, I, I have patients who... I work in the private area, which is more affluent, but the majority of my work is in the public sector, and they get harassed by police, many of my patients. The patients in the the private area don't get harassed by anybody. Occasionally, they're just unlucky, if I'm honest, but they don't get stopped and searched or any of that sort of stuff, and they aren't treated in a very demeaning, disparaging way. I mean, some of my patients, their houses have been just turned upside down by guards, which, to be honest with you, they usually end up finding bloody nout. So that that really needs to be borne out on this is we, and we all know this we're, we're we're preaching to the choir here you know that drug laws disproportionately affect the marginalized you know it, we know it, that. and it's it, the same it, in america it, this class discrimination it's socioeconomic no question i mean you can have a, a a t-shock who has spoken in the past about his drug use and and no one bats an eye you can and yes you know we have this ju- moral judgment that we say somehow someone from a working class community has done that there's a failing there but on the back to the direction of travel, then, and um, where do you want to see it, it go, Gareth? If we can just have, if I said to you, you know, uh, trust the process. Where, where do you where do you want to see it it, it um, arrive at? I just think we need to be uh, wide ranging uh, in terms of covering every aspect of uh, drug policy. This is about drug policy. In the end of the day, I mean, what are we trying to change here? Are we trying to change drug policy? Are we trying to change attitudes? I think we can change attitudes all we like. We need to change drug policies. Let's just call a spade a spade. It needs to change. The Misuse of Drugs Act 1977 needs to change. Now, I don't expect it to change overnight, um, but it does need to change. Now, the question is, is this about change? I'm getting the feeling after yesterday that there is a feeling of criminalizing people is, 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 is not the way forward. Decrim by itself is a bit... A bit, a bit light, but I think definitely as a first step, it would be pretty nice for people to be able to use their drugs without persecution and prosecution. Um, there's a lot of things we could do, but we never. I, I go back to the Justice Committee report, uh, Tony. There's very little in those recommendations that doesn't cover everything that you're talking about about the moving forward. Everything's in there. If there yeah. isn't anything in there, tell me what it is. The only, I, I go back to the drug-related pleasure, and I think that should have been. That should be a bit more front and centre. The the acceptance that people take drugs and the acceptance that people enjoy drugs. You know this idea, you know the way Bill Clinton and all those guys, I took it in college but I didn't inhale it. I mean, yeah. it's all this bullshit. Just <laughs> admit that you enjoy the experience, you know. Well, I mean, if you enjoy the experience of alcohol, you know, what's the harm in saying you enjoy the experience of smoking a joint or uh, eating, a, eating a grass cake or whatever it is? What is what is wrong with that? Well, what 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 it is if you if you guys and you're on Twitter, you guys, so you know Julian Buchanan and yes. Julian Buchanan uses that lovely phrase. Don't know whether he invented it. Calls it drug apartheid. It's a pretty great way of looking at it. Some drugs are treated like apartheid. They're they're, they're demonized. There's no drug more demonized than. Uh, heroin, probably. Uh, it, uh, if you look at cocaine, cocaine's an interesting one 
crack cocaine is demonized crack cocaine I, I see as the kind of new heroin i mean that's that's just a wash out there now but but cocaine itself is maybe stigmatized a bit you know people kind of go oh your man's on coke and somebody's out of his head on coke but powder cocaine and and people need to understand this powder cocaine and crack cocaine are completely and utterly viewed differently crack crack cocaine is 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 for the for the low people that's right. that's a scumbag drug yeah. but whereas powder cocaine is okay because 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 it's for us and uh, a lot of people we've been got, we've gone very quiet on the whole crack every time i get asked to do an interview on one of the radio stations but they start off about talking about powder cocaine and they never mention crack cocaine i have to mention it to them and then suddenly they're quite kind of quite interested in it, it that's what i see it, again it comes a lot of it comes back to class again because as as uh yeah to, to reference twice dean scurry in the same podcast he often said to us it's easier to get crack cocaine and ballymun than a cup of coffee you know, like, and they've only they've only recently opened opened a coffee shop, and yet, you know, as you said, uh, the the element of crack wears cocaine. But I do, I um, I don't know if you saw it, but it was a, a, an amazing contribution at the UN by the Colombian president uh, Gustavo Petro, where uh, they were talking about, you know, the US was lecturing them on the war on drugs, and he said, you you know, you're the toxic sponge that absorbs all of this, and you 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 take this as 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 a gap in your hearts, and and you know, it was a, an amazing seven minutes where he just literally takes it on and talks about it because you know he wasn't even so much he was even speaking up for his country which he was to a degree but he was talking about what people why people use the need to fill a void the need for what they have and what and what why why particularly when it comes to cocaine it was actually part of the social climbing it was a part of, of an image and I just yeah. thought, you know, I, 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 I think I've posted the entire clip a couple of times on on the podcast because it's just it's just powerful. If if I was to say to you though, though, Gareth, based on your what you what we've discussed so far, your conversation with with Sharon, Sharon Lambert, and um, on what we're sort of looking at over the next few weeks, do you think that that this will, it whatever conclusions they reach, do you think it'll be within the term of this government? Um, I think it's well. How long have we got left for this government here now? Uh, Fifteen. We're, we're we're approaching thirteen thirteen months because officially, when they suspended Nessa Hurrigan, they gave her a fifteen month ban. So that was effectively saying you're out until the next election. Yeah, I I, I realistically, I don't think so. I think there'll be a lot of talking and debating and stuff far after. I mean, it's going to be finished. You must remember, in is it October, and they finish it. Uh, we don't do things quickly, Tanya. You, you know, you, you know that yourself. We, we we don't do anything very quickly. They sit in their hands in there because you have to remember another thing here is that government generally, and I mean all the parties, is very other than maybe Aon O'Riordan, who I think just educated himself and you know did his little tours with Tony Duffin around kind of the the, the alleyways and streets Dublin and saw what you know drug addiction meant and all that sort of stuff. I don't think. There's really that much goodwill. There's there's only a citizens assembly and a joint justice committee and all these things and medical cannabis access. Brilliant. Gino was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. But the general feeling is if we didn't have us, and I'll use the word lobbying because I have been lobbying for change in in drug laws, uh, uh, and a lot of very good people like like yourselves and many many other people we all know we're all visible we know who we are and uh, in Rowan etc. If we didn't have all those people, the government would have done nothing. They would have just ignored this issue completely because the government largely don't care. They don't really care about, you know, I work in West Tala and Crumlin and, you know, you, you, you look at sort of the 
how it's affected the north inner city, the north. They don't really care about that. It's it's sort of someone else's problem. So they they will do nothing if they can do nothing. And even when you have a report with recommendations in them, I've seen many others, not even related to drug policy. Changing them is the real hard part. On my own profession, you know, we talk about a health-led approach. It is amazing when you think of it, that if something is a health issue, if it is, I would argue very strongly that actually normal drug use and normal alcohol use, the vast majority of people are doing, is not a health issue, but that's just my own view. But down the harder end of it, yes, it's a health issue, but it's also a social issue. Uh, but if it is a health issue, why are doctors not more interested in it? They seem to be totally uninterested. You know, I'm a more or less a lone voice in the medical world for the drug legalization regulation part. We have the Cannabis Risk Alliance. And I, and I always say this, by the way, me and uh, Bobby Smith are poles apart on, 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 on a green and anything. But the one thing I will say about him is he does put his head on the line. He gets dog's abuse on Twitter, uh, but he does, you know, he he fervently believes his position. I don't know what the position is of all the other doctors. There's thousands. I mean, I don't know how many thousand doctors there are in this country, but it must be 10, 15,000. There's they just no view on this. None. Well, I, I can only say anecdotally, Gary, that, that I have spoken to people in hospitals who certainly do have a view on it, and they would rather that uh, it wasn't just all alcohol because alcohol-related issues cost them so much, where uh, A&Es aren't full of people who are stoned. Let's be really honest oh, about that. It's funny you say that, Martin. It's funny you say that because I heard the, you know, uh, Ray Wally on the other day, every single day, somebody in the waiting room. Now, I, I, I'm i not hearing that from my colleagues. And I work in addiction and there isn't someone in my waiting room every day. I don't buy it. There's nobody in anyone's waiting room well, every we day. Do, we do have to ask why, the, you know, we've seen minimum minimum unit pricing on alcohol. So that we are, uh, uh, that is certainly, uh, that's, that's. Another tax on the poor, by the way. It's an attack on the poor. That's exactly what it is. Pure, full stop. We we're we're nice middle class people. We can control it. I, 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 Martin, it says I can switch from Chateau Luft to Pap to Cote d'Aron and it doesn't bother me too much. Whereas if you are someone who, who, uh, you know, you're on a very limited budget, take this one in the chops. I, like, I think it was. And and the one thing to say, by the way, about minimum unit pricing is it has no effects on dependent drinkers, the ones actually that you're you're worried about, they they, they I believe you me, I treat them. They, it, they're, it, that will not affect their uh, desire uh, to drink very very heavily because they they've lost control of it. I think where it probably will affect is it does affect the the marginalised and people who are poor. You're quite right, Tony, and 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 it does seem to have an effect on the younger age groups, perhaps. But I think in the overall scheme of things. Our problems with alcohol are not going to amount to minimum unit pricing anyway. We've got a we've got a cultural but issue if, with that. If you, if you take the, I suppose the rationale behind that in that that poor people can't control their drinking, and that's really the rationale behind it. But are we seeing the same in the drugs culture? In that, let's face it, when you go into a nightclub in town, it's not poor kids in the jacks snow, snorting up coke. It's certainly not. It's wealthy kids doing it. I mean, it's 80 quid a bag. That's how much it costs for cocaine. 80 quid a bag. It's not cheap. It's not cheap. Um, no. Are we looking at, uh, there's a twin track here. If you're poor, you're buggered. If you're rich, we'll all turn a blind eye. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and you have to remember, like, just 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 following on from this. I mean, I have, like, I, I don't want to pinpoint West Hallows. feel very guilty because I know Lynn is in West Hall. 
but she knows the problems out there. And anyone will tell you that West Tala is is awash with crack cocaine. And the interesting thing is that it, it, that it's relatively cheaper, but the amount they're taking makes it quite expensive. But here's the rub, Martin. They never pay for that. That is, they, they, they pay for that in other ways. And that's the sad oh, part of this. It's the people thing. with money don't pay for it in other ways. They pay with legal tender like they pay for alcohol. And that's the real damaging part of this. And when people talk about the war on drugs, they kind of forget this, that what people have to do to keep that habit going. It's it's absolutely horrible what they have to do. I, I, I you, you would think they just have to do bad things. They're getting involved in a world of dealing and holding drugs when they had no intentions of doing that. I've seen people in Tallaght, it's not a word of a lie, give their house over, it's a council house, over to dealers. They more or less are running their operations from houses. I mean, Jesus. And now, we need the decrim in Portugal, and we, we do see decrims kind of a halfway house, but it has made a huge difference. It, this it has. Is, no, yeah. no, I, w- I want to push in and just say one thing, because you said we won't have this done in the in the term of this next government. And, yeah. you know, because we're all in agreement here about what needs to be done. But what we're not saying is that for every day we delay, someone's dying, Gareth. What we're not saying, I know this week of someone who, who died this week. I, I, I spoke to someone recently who's former partner has relapsed into a situation where, you know, it's now a... a, a proper impacting on their illness and the rest of the family again because we don't have a harm reduction model so every single day in this country someone might it's no exaggeration to say someone's probably needlessly dying absolutely right uh, uh absolutely right and, and you know we, we te- if you notice we we tend to it is a very polarizing debate but it's kind of almost become a moral debate uh I don't see it as a moral debate, or, you know, a moral issue, obviously. But like a lot of people, the most vocal, and I conclude my own profession there, about drug policy issues are also the most ignorant. Like really ignorant. They, they like, like I would say, if I was to give a message, if there was one thing, one message I could give out of today is anybody who wants to venture an opinion on drug policy, please don't lazily enter the debate. Please educate yourself. There's a lot of good stuff out there. And look, I accept that with if we legalise drug, we have other challenges. But I wouldn't do it in the way everybody always thinks that you know I'm you know someone who wants every you know shop open and you sell all these drugs. I don't. What I what I what I would like to see happen is there's a few there's a there's some low hanging fruit here. The 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 decrims low hanging fruit and legalising uh, cannabis is low hanging fruit. Now, if we were able to do that, and we know this from Portugal and the states, we'd be able to evaluate the successes of that. And one of the reasons we one of the reasons we'd be able to evaluate it more accurately is because a drug that is regulated is far easier and more accurate to study both the positive and the negative effects when it's legal. Because you have dose. You don't have impurities. You don't have all that 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 going on. And I think we could evaluate it much more accurately. But I also believe that it's probably likely that the Bobby Smiths Americanas want regulation to fail. It's a horrible thing. I don't want prohibition to fail. I'd love prohibition to be successful. I'd love it to be successful. But I know all the all the indicators are it's a disaster. But I would like it to be successful. I'd like it to achieve the... I, I don't want uh, uh, the marginalised treated even, even worse than they are. I don't want any of that. I don't want people coming to harm. 
But I get the impression that the 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 anti-regulation or anti-legalization you want is to fail at all costs. And I, th- I, I and I think that's a moral thing. I, I some people say it's big pharma and all that. I don't. There may that's too much for me. I don't know. Maybe they're right. I don't know. But I think they, they it's a moral it's a moral issue for them. Gareth, thanks for coming on. It's it's interesting what's going on, and it, and and I have to say, you mentioned Sharon Lambert. Sharon Lambert made a great contribution. An absolutely brilliant contribution. And if you have a chance, go back. It's online. Go back and have a listen to a very good yeah. contribution. Fully informed. Make better decisions, Garrett. That's the way this is. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and listen, I really yeah. thank you guys, right? Because, you know, I mean, the amount of stuff. I mean, you guys are, are in Dublin. And the two Norries are definitely in Cork. I don't know where they are, who's down the west and who's up the north. But, uh, you know, we have a lot of great people highlighting these huge social issues like this and we're not going away i ain't going away anywhere right as long as i have a blood forcing through my veins and i'm able to breathe i ain't changing and i'm not going to you know you know if anything i'll probably get more hardline but i'm certainly not changing i'm not going to go away and i'm certainly not going to shut up so i don't have to get what's coming and it is worth remembering for everybody involved that no matter what decisions are made no what deliberations are had that people will still use drugs at the end of the the citizens assembly so it's about dealing with the practicalities of where people are not where you want them to be gareth mcgovern thank you very much indeed for coming on thank you thanks for listening folks i will say one thing in conclusion what on the basis of this conversation possibly the most dangerous drug right now that's costing lives is conservatism that's probably it for me uh we leave it there folks we'll be back tomorrow with uh jana lyons from the into thanks for listening and we will talk to you very very soon take care bye-bye tony and martin martin and tony speaking to interesting people only it's the echo chamber podcast Subscribe.